Tempo Sports 24-7. I am your host, Coach Pete. We're having an array of topics to talk about. We wanted to jump into the NBA and talk about some of the games that we saw over the weekend, but we have to start this episode and talk about the terrible accident that occurred in California this morning with Tiger Woods. I don't know by now, I'm sure that everybody is aware of the accident that occurred around 7-18 this morning in California with one Tiger Woods. But if you have not seen the vehicle in which he was driving, you need to take a look at it and ask yourself how he was able to survive this crash. Not only survive the crash, but the fact that hopefully he walks away from this. We know that he is uh, in surgery. They said he had lower leg injuries. Uh, Appears as though that he uh, had a compound fracture in one of his legs and he uh, fractured his ankle as well. But looking at the vehicle, I think it was an SUV that he was traveling in. Looking at that, you ask yourself, and on top of the fact that the SUV ended up in like a ravine you ask yourself how could anyone walk away from this accident so we're going to keep tiger woods and his family in prayer and hopefully through the surgery and everything that he will be able to walk away from this accident which could have been really tragic just unbelievable you have to see you have to see the vehicle to understand the gravity of what i'm trying to describe over the airwaves the picture like they always say a picture is worth a thousand words so you will get a better understanding of just how bad the accident was by just looking at the vehicle he was traveling in So I'm sure that there'll continue to be updates on his status. Like I said, he they've ESPN has reported that he is in surgery with lower leg injuries. And we're just, you know, hoping and wishing nothing but the best for Tiger Woods. It's not even from a standpoint of him even returning to the golf course as much as it is for him to be able to just be able to return to his family, his children healthy enough to walk with them and do things with them and just be able to be the man that he was prior to this accident. So let's just keep Tiger Woods in our prayers this evening and hopefully all the surgeries are successful. Let's now jump into the NBA and talk a little bit about what's been going on with the Lakers. The Lakers losers of their third straight game as they drop in overtime last night to the Wizards. And let's tip our hat to the Wizards. We just talked about the Wizards being on a four-game winning streak, and that was the longest in three years. Now they're on a five-game winning streak as they come back from 17 down midway through the third quarter, send the game in overtime, and dispose of the Lakers 127-124. Bradley Beal does what Bradley Beal does. He dropped 32 points. Russell Westbrook does what he does. Triple-double, of course. He led the, the Wizards in scoring with 37. The Lakers 
are going to have to figure out and get their mojo back. We know that Anthony Davis is going to be out at least through the All-Star weekend. And we're going to talk about the All-Star reserves in a second. The Lakers need rim protection. We've seen them play against Brooklyn in the backcourt of Harden and Kyrie Irving. We saw what Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat were able to do over the weekend on Saturday, going to the basket, not being able to box out Bam Bayou on rebounds, and Kendrick Nunn and Jimmy Butler having their way at the basket. And then we saw what Russell Westbrook was doing last night, taking the ball to the basket against this Lakers defense. That's been the biggest Achilles heel for the Lakers in this this three-game losing streak is their defense has failed them going down the stretch. In their last five games, they're one and four. For most teams, you're ready to push the panic button and say, hey, what do we need to do? Do we need to do something in regards to a major trade? I don't think that the Lakers are going to do that. I think they're going to take their time and look at what's available. We know Houston and DeMarcus Cousins just parted ways. We know the Lakers are going to part ways with Quinn Cook, which will open up a roster spot. Will they fill that spot with a big man trying to get a rim protector, or will they try to get another score? I think personally they need to get a rim protector. I saw a story out there where they were talking about possibly maybe Sacramento makes um, Mr. Whiteside available. That would help them extremely on the defensive side because we know that Whiteside is a really good defender and a he led the league last year in rebounding. So that would give them what they lack with AD being out. And we've already told you the deficiencies of Mark Gasol currently where he is age-wise in his career. So if they can get somebody like a Hassan Whiteside to come in and give them a presence in the middle, give them a presence defensively, that would definitely help them out tremendously until they got AD back. And we, even when they get AD back, it would still help them out tremendously defensively because that's exactly where they are falling short is on the defensive end. LeBron, 31 points last night. He could have needed, could have gotten some extended help. Uh, Montrez Harrell played a hell of a game. But they just don't have that body that they need to stop people from getting to the basket. And that was apparent in this losing streak that we've seen. They're going to have to figure it out because at this particular point, they're not sure when AD is going to come back. They said it was four four to six weeks. Now it's more closer to six weeks. Could be eight weeks. But they're going to need to figure something out. They've got to stop the bleeding from from all these losses mounting up. Like I said previously, I don't think the Lakers are concerned about being the number one seed in the West, but they do want to be able to go into the playoffs with a healthy team. They want to go into the playoffs with a team that has an opportunity to repeat and defend their title. So I'm sure that the Lakers brass will take a look at what's and who's available, we know that Detroit's trying to move on from Blake Griffin. At this particular point, I'm not sure exactly what Blake Griffin has left in the tank to give anybody, especially at the cost that he's going to have your franchise incurred by picking up his contract. Not sure if he's worth that type of money at this particular stage of where he is in his career. So, And we know he definitely is not a a rim protector. He's not big enough to be a rim protector. So I think Andre Drummond is going to be too much money for the Lakers to try to go after. He will probably only be a one-year rental anyway because he's going to be an unrestricted free agent come this summer. So I'm not sure exactly what they would have to give up if they made a trade for Andre Drummond with Cleveland. And that's the other thing. What kind of assets do you want to give up? for a guy that potentially you might not even have on your roster next year. That's the other thing that you have to think about if you're the Lakers. We know that they want to make a run, but do you sacrifice your future 
four, one season to get another ring. I don't think they're in a the market to do that. Um, so we'll see exactly what Rob Palenka and the L.A. Brass, what they're going to do while they're without their second leading scorer, Anthony Davis. Let's talk about these All-Stars real quick, though. The uh, reserves for the All-Star team, Eastern Conference, want to focus in on three first-time All-Stars. Jalen Brown of the Boston Celtics, Zach Levine of the Chicago Bulls, and one Julius Randle, formerly of the Lakers a few years back, now the New York Knicks. All three of these young men are making going to make their, their all-star appearance, their first all-star appearance, and I think this all well-deserved. You heard me talk about Zach Levine. You know how I feel about Zach Levine and Jalen Brown. But I forgot to mention when I was talking about players a few days ago that could be in the discussion for most improved players this coming season, you have to put Julius Randle in that same category. Julius Randle has been the savior for the New York Knicks. He has gotten better every season since he signed on with the Knicks. And this year he's having a breakout. He's having a breakout season and you have to tip your hat to him. He's leading the Lake. I mean, I'm sorry, not the Lakers. I'm thinking back to when he was with the Lakers. That's what he was originally drafted by when he came out of Kentucky. But he's leading the Knicks in scoring. And if I'm not mistaken, he's leading him in rebounding. You can see where his ball handling has definitely gotten better. His mid-range jump shot has gotten better. He's just an all-around better player right now. And he's leading the New York Knicks. And they right now are competing like a team who is trying to find a way to get into the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. So we want to say congratulations to those three young players and what they've done this season to make the All-Star team as a reserve. Now, I also want to talk about the Eastern Conference in regards to those players that I believe that should have made it that were snubbed. And to me, Ben Simmons made it, but I don't think that he should have been an All-Star this season. I think his teammate, Tobias Harris, is having a better season. In every statistical category for Tobias Harris, he has improved since last year. We talked about how much he's improving. He could be on that short list of most improved players as well. I think that it was a disservice that he didn't make the All-Star team. Ben Simmons, not saying that he's having a bad, a, a bad year, but Tobias Harris is definitely having a better year, and I think that he should have gotten a nod over his teammate Trey Young we don't see his name on this reserve team but then you ask yourself who do you take off of this team to put Trey Young on but Trey Young just acknowledgement from me is having an all-star caliber season so I just even though he didn't make the team for the Eastern Conference I just wanted to acknowledge that Trey Young is still playing at an all-star level for the Atlanta Hawks if we go over to the Western Conference and we talk about somebody who should have made it that I thought would have made it, especially after the way he looked in the bubble, would have been Devin Booker. Now, I know that he's had a few games where he has not been the leading scorer for Phoenix, but that goes to tell you exactly the impact that Chris Paul has made, not only as a leader for this team, but his overall guidance of these young players that you don't have to have Devin Booker be your leading scorer night in and night out like we've seen him do since he's been in the league for Phoenix. Now that they have somebody who can run run the ship, you don't necessarily need to have Devin Booker to be your number one scorer because Chris Paul is navigating this young team to where they're trying to get to, which is back to the playoffs. Devin Devin Booker, in my opinion, should have made, still should have made the Western Conference All-Star team. There's a possibility that he still may, depending upon what they do with the slot that currently is occupied by Anthony Davis of the Lakers. We know Anthony Davis will not be playing in this All-Star game in two weeks due to his injury. So I'm just wondering if they will replace him. And if they replace him, I think that Devin Booker should be at the top of the list. 
of people to replace him with. He still, to me, he still has had an all-star season. But you have to look at what Chris Paul has done with this young team. He's got Mr. Aiton playing at a high level. You see uh, Mikhail Bridges playing at a high level. Cam Johnson playing at a high level. So you can see the leadership that Chris Paul has brought to this Phoenix organization. And I think that's one of the reasons why they weren't afraid to pull the trigger, even with the amount of money that Chris Paul was due to make for the next two years that I had a question about. I never had a question whether Chris Paul could be a leader for this team. I never had a question that he would play well. My question was at his age and the amount of money that he was due to receive, would they get the full benefit package of having him for the next two years healthy and thus far it looks as though the the experiment in signing Chris Paul is reaping the rewards they were hoping for because this young team is playing very well especially on the defensive end they played a lot better than they have over the last couple of years and that can be a credit to Chris Paul because of his tenacity as a defender even at even at his age, he's still such a savvy veteran. He's going to find a way to show these young players what they need to do to get better defensively and to make the team better. So that's where we are with the All-Star Reserves. Like I said, the Eastern Conference, I think they did a nice job with the selection. The only, like I said, the only person that I thought that should have gotten should have gotten a nod for the All-Star team would have been Tobias Harris over his teammate Ben Simmons in the Western Conference. You really can't argue with the players that were selected. Like I said, I hope Devin Booker is able to take the spot of Anthony Davis due to Anthony Davis's injury, but you really can't argue with the selection of the players that were made. The only thing that I did talk about a couple of days ago, too, was the fact that I thought that Dane should have been starting in front of Luka Doncic. So we'll see, again, um, how that goes down. And speaking of Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks, you know, they, as they always say, where there's smoke, there's fire. And Dallas is trying to backtrack. Mark Cuban came out, made a statement, said that they're not shopping Christoph Porzingis. But when you start making little tracks, when you start putting things out there, putting little crumbs out in the atmosphere, or putting crumbs on the ground to see if anybody's sniffing around, then you are trying to see what you can get if there's a possibility that somebody is willing to take Porzingis off your hands. I think that, number one, I think Porzingis is just going to need more time to recuperate from his injury. He just has he has surgery, if I'm not mistaken, back in December. So he's recuperating from that. And I just don't think he's going to be the same player he was when he initially came into the league and came in with the Knicks. When big men start having injuries, especially anything – in their lower area, like their legs or their feet, knees, it's always complicated in regards to them getting back to the level of play that we were used to seeing them at. And I think that's what you're going to see right here with Christoph Porzingis. I think it's probably, we might not even see his full recovery until after the All-Star break. We just might not see it. And then we might not see it until... the until next season. But I just think that Dallas is going to have to be a little patient. He may never again reach that level that he was when he was with the Knicks. I've heard a lot of people talk about the fact that he is a liability defensively. I never thought that he was a great defensive player when he was with the Knicks. He was just something that we, as they called him, a unicorn. A, a seven footer who could stretch the stretch the the court with his shooting ability, and he did block shots. He would appeared to be a little bit more agile and mobile back then. But again, as we just said, he is coming off of an injury, and so I think they're going to have to allow him the time to recuperate in order to see what they have. I don't believe they'll move off of him unless they got a significant deal. By the trade deadline, I think that they are just going to have to ride this out for this year. And then if nothing changes, then I could see him being on the trade block starting in the offseason 
But I think for now, because of, because of his relationship with Luka Doncic, I don't think that they will, unless they get a deal that knocks them off their feet, which I don't believe that'll happen. Because just like if I can see it and anybody else that's watching the games can see it, they're going to acknowledge the fact that Luke, that Luka is definitely the number one option, that Luka is the leader of this team, that he is the the brimming superstar, but that he and Porzingis together could be a daunting pair if Porzingis can get back health-wise. They can do some damage, and they can also add another player. Now, I don't know how they're going to add somebody else to this roster, who they would add to this roster, but they they need another player. Um, I know Luca has a ball in his hands a lot, so he's basically the point forward. But I would love to see them, love to see them get someone like a, a savvy veteran like a Kyle Lowry to come in there. I think you know, um, no offense to uh, Mr. Brunson, but I would love to see them get somebody like a Kyle Lowry and then be able to take Luca off the ball and let him be what he does, which is be a scorer. He's a playmaker and a facilitator for this team. He's doing everything. But if you take that pressure off of him and allow Kyle Lowry, someone like a Kyle Lowry, a savvy veteran who's been to the postseason, who has championship um, in his veins, then I think that you could see Luka's game expand even more. So that may be a move that they may want to think about trying to make because at this particular point, I think that for Toronto, I think that Kyle Lowry is expendable with the development of Fred Van Fleet. And let me go back. I talked about the Western Conference reserves for the All-Star team, and I forgot to mention, and I don't know how I did this, but forgive me, Zion Williamson. First-time All-Star Zion is shooting 66%. We talked about this from the field. Phenomenal. As long as he can stay healthy, he is going to be a problem. He is just coming into his own. This is just his second season. And remember, last year was a shortened season for him because of the fact that he was coming off of injury and New Orleans was taking their time in regards to bringing him him along. So now you have, you see him, full season he started and he's just picking up where he left off at um when we saw glimpses of his ability and his capabilities the one thing i will say that stan van gundy has done that i like and that is allow him to be a facilitator if you watched zion at duke you saw coach k put him in a lot of situations where he was able to run the offense i know they had trey jones who was their point guard at the time but zion was able to get that get them into offensive sets as well he is a legitimate passer he is a very good passer very good court vision and his agility going to the basket for a man his size is just unbelievable what new orleans did on sunday against the boston celtics Coming back from 24 points down, that's the largest deficit in New Orleans history that they were able to come back and win a game, win that game in overtime. Boston has some holes that they're going to have to fill up too. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, they are the cornerstones of that franchise. Kimball Walker, we told you, is still not quite healthy. We're not sure when Marcus Smart's going to be back, but they're going to have to figure it out. I heard someone talking about Boston's uh, roster, and Danny Ainge came out and said that they have a roster that needs improvement. And I'm not saying that they don't. They have a lot of young players on this roster because of the picks that they had. They never were never able to take any of these picks and move them to go get an established, another established superstar like a Paul George or I should say star in the case of Paul George. I don't consider Paul George a superstar. I think he's a star player. I don't think he's a superstar. But someone like a Paul George or Kawhi Leonard, they were never never able to pull the trigger on those type of deals. Even when Anthony Davis was available, 
they weren't able to do it because AD basically told them that, hey, he had his sights set on joining LeBron in L.A. He was not trying to go to Bean City or Bean Town, I should say, and come to Boston. So I don't know if it's all Danny Ainge's fault with some of the moves that he was not able to make, but it's clear that they're going to have to make another move, if not this season before the trade deadline, definitely in the offseason, they've got to upgrade. And we're going to hope and keep our fingers crossed that Kimball Walker can recover from this knee injury. But like we've said, just like we said about the big men, even with your guards, when you start having knee issues, it becomes problematic. And we know that Kimba had offseason procedure done. Um, and so we're hoping that, you know, as he's not playing back-to-back games and they're trying to, you know, uh, garner his minutes, that that will help him to be healthy, especially, you know, by the time the playoffs start. But we're just going to have to monitor and keep our eye on this because he is essential to Boston's success going forward they're going to need Kimball Walker in the playoffs and they're going to need a Kimball Walker that shows up a lot better than the Kimball Walker we saw at the end in the bubble last year and I think a lot of that was because Kimball was playing hurt playing on one leg so and the return of Marcus Smart will also help them especially defensively he will help them because they defensively just like I talked about the Lakers Boston has the same problem they don't have a true rim protector and they allowed a lot of baskets to be scored by New Orleans this past Sunday for New Orleans to get back into that game, going to the basket. Zion, like I said, just attacking a basket in the second half, creating opportunities for not only himself, but his teammates. And then Brandon Ingram is still doing what he did last year when he was the most improved player. He is still balling, folks. He is turning into, it's just that the, it's just that the West is stacked, but Brandon Ingram is another player that, that could get all-star consideration. He is playing at an all-star level as well. So I, I like the young tandem of Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram together. They just need to just uh, get a few other, maybe another veteran in there um, to help them out. But I like what I like some of the cornerstone pieces that they have down in New Orleans. So we're going to take a small commercial break right now. Then we're going to come back and talk about some of the things that's going on in college football and also talk a little bit about what's ready to happen in the NFL. That's right, folks. The best time of the year in the NFL is the offseason. So we're going to have some things going on and talk about there. Again, thank you for joining us here on Uptempo Sports 24-7. We will be right back. All right, all right. Welcome back to Uptempo Sports 24-7 with your host, Coach P. And we're going to talk a little bit about college basketball right now because we're getting close to that time of the year where we start talking about March Madness and what teams are on the bubble. So we might as well start talking about my team, team that I root for, North Carolina Tar Heels. The Tar Heels probably had their most impressive win of the season. Matter of fact, this may be their most impressive win over the last two years. Louisville, who last year dominated Carolina in the ACC, well, Carolina got some much-needed revenge and a much-needed win as they're trying to solidify a spot in the NCAA tournament this year. They hosted Louisville on Saturday, and they beat Louisville by 45 points. Yes, you, you heard me correct. North Carolina put up 99 points. They defeated Louisville, 99 to 54. I couldn't believe it. I was I was in shock. I couldn't believe the score. I was just like, maybe maybe um maybe this is a 
girls basketball game score. Maybe this is not the not the Tar Heels I've been watching for the last two years. I just couldn't believe they put up 99 points. And like I said, Louisville has been one of the stronger teams in the ACC over the last few years. And they've had Carolina's number um, over the last few years as well. Like I said, I think if I'm not mistaken, they swept Carolina last year. So to see what Carolina did against Louisville, and I know they were a little depleted and they were coming off of not playing for, I think it had been about 20 days due to COVID protocols and not having enough players. Um, So I know that they were uh, coming off of that. But just to see the way that Carolina played, that to me was impressive and it was encouraging, not just for me as a fan, but I'm sure it was for Roy Williams as the coach of this team. I want to also say that Caleb Love, who the freshman, um, one of the uh, big time recruits coming into this season that I was not giving a whole lot of um, attention to, or I should say I was not giving a a whole lot of credit to, um, I'm going to now, and I did this, and I'm not backpedaling off anything that I said, but, you know, when I'm when I'm wrong or what I'm going to say I'm wrong, what I will say is, is that the way this young man looked early on, I was not impressed. But it appears as though he has now taken on the responsibility of understanding what his role is as a point guard. And with that being understood now, you could see that he has matured and is playing a lot better. And that is why Carolina as a team is playing a lot better because he is now being more of a facilitator. And that has not only helped out his teammates, but it's helped his game expand as well because he's not looking to come down to score every time out. He's not looking to force shots up. He's, he's picking his spots and he's getting better shot selection which helps not only him as a player with his confidence, but it helps his teammates as well because they're not sitting here wondering if they're going to get the ball. They're not sitting here wondering if he's going to take a bad shot. They now can see that he is playing more under control and doing the things that Coach Williams has been looking for for him to do since the beginning of the season. And so I want to just say that – Caleb Love is is forming himself into a nice player at this particular point. I do not believe he is a one-and-done player. I hope the young man will come back for another season because I think that would only expand his game. I want to see Dayron Sharp come back as well. That young man is a rebounding machine. I just want to see him come back because I want to see him be able to put the ball on the floor and be more assertive offensively. There's no question He is one hell of an offensive rebounder. He is a good defender. But I want to see him expand his game offensively. But I think it's going to be hard to convince him to stay because I think that he will be a lottery pick. He has loads of potential, but we've seen that before. We saw that with Marvin Williams years and years ago. Marvin Williams was the leading six man in the ACC. He helped Carolina on a run to get to a national championship. He had a very long career in the NBA. I don't think he's looking back saying that he should have stayed at Carolina. I just think that personally he could have had a better career had he been able to expand his game, maybe stayed at Carolina one more year or expanded his game just a little bit more. He got better as he got older and the longer he was in the league. um, He developed a really good three-point shot, but I think that he could have had uh, maybe even a better career. He had a solid career in the NBA, but I personally, because I know how talented he was, um, I think that he could have had uh, more of an impact in the NBA. But I'm sure that he looks at it and says, he, I think he played, if I'm not mistaken, I think Marvin Williams played about 13 seasons in the NBA. So that's a hell of a career in regards to his length of time in the league. Um, that's nothing to sneeze at. But I just hope um, De'Ron Sharp will consider maybe coming back one more season because I think if he comes back one more season, has a chance to work with someone who can handle big men, I think that his game could elevate and he could potentially be a top five player next year. 
that's just my opinion about him. I think he could, I think he has that much of ability that he could be that type of player. I think he still would be a lottery pick this year if he comes out or close to being in the lottery. But I think if he came back one more year, worked on his ball handling, worked on a go-to move in the low post, that kid could definitely lock himself up to be a lottery pick. But we'll see. Uh, Carolina, like I said, they're still fighting for a slot in the NCAA tournament. But another team that's pulling themselves up by their boots is the Duke Blue Devils. The Blue Devils are on a four-game winning streak, and they got uh, two back-to-back big wins. Um, They beat Virginia. Virginia, who was coming off um, of an impressive win a week and a half ago over Carolina, and then once Virginia beat Carolina, then Virginia went out and played Florida State and got their behinds handed to them by 20. Florida State ran them out the gym. And then they come back last Saturday, this past Saturday, and they lose one. They lose to Duke by one point. Duke, remember, they had all that controversy circling around them with um, the departure of the freshman Jalen Johnson, who said that he was going to um, step away and concentrate on the draft. And it seems as though the team has unified themselves and they've circled the wagons and they played very well. And so they got a big win against they got a big win against Virginia. And then they went and they beat Syracuse. So they are trying to make a stance here to see if they can possibly slide into the NCAA tournament. I personally believe that they're going to have to win at least one, maybe two games in the ACC tournament in order to get a bid to the big dance. I believe that Carolina is going to have to continue to win. I think it's, I think they have three games left in the regular season, three or four games left in the regular season. And I know Carolina and Duke have another matchup. Carolina won the first one at Duke. Um, they have another matchup here at the end of the year. That's going to be a big game for both teams. But right now, if I don't see how Duke gets in, but we'll see. Um, like I said, there are a lot of teams that are on the bubble. I believe that Duke is right outside the bubble. I think Carolina has solidified themselves, but they could still can be on the bubble based on how what happens these last three to four games of the regular season and how they do in the ACC tournament. We want to turn our attention to while we're talking about collegiate sports. We want to give a shout out to the coaching debut of one prime time. That's right. Deion Sanders made his coaching debut at Jackson State this past weekend and came out with a 53 to nothing win against NAIA football program Edward Waters. Um, this was Dion's first coaching debut, his first coaching position as a collegiate coach. So we want to say shout outs to Dion and congratulations. And I think that Jackson State, <coughs> excuse me, is in good hands. I think Dion is going to really do a nice job at Jackson State in trying to develop players. I think that he will be able to get maybe not five-star players, but I think he's going to be able to get a lot a lot higher recruits than Jackson State is used to seeing on their campus because of the juice and the charisma that Coach Deion Sanders carries. I think that he will be able to make some noise, um, and it might not take him as long as you think. But it's going to be a process, and Dion knows that. But De- I'm sorry, but Dion also knows that if this goes well, and his premise is to continue to coach at the highest level, then this is just the introduction to college coaching and college football coaching, because this will propel him to. A bigger university. I myself really wish that Florida State would have looked 
a lot harder at Dion. I mean, he's one of the greatest players in your in your history. And I don't know if they even interviewed him at all for that job. But I just and, you know, a lot of times we, we look and we say that guys that have played, they may not be good as a coach. Um, Dion did have experience in regards to he did coach on a high school level um, in Texas. And, you know, Texas is one of the biggest high school football landmines for talent and for um, champions. So it's not as if he didn't have any football coaching experience at all. Um, But I believe that he'll be patient at Jackson State. And they're definitely going to be patient with him. But I do believe that this is just a stepping stone for Dion to move on to bigger and better things. But I like the fact that he was not afraid to accept the challenge at a HBCU that has not had any significance to us even talking about them since the days of the great late Walter Payton. So... Congratulations to Coach Deion Sanders in his debut win and continued success. But um, we're going to move on now and we're going to go to the NFL because the day starts the game. And that game is called Tag. Tag, you're it. The NFL opens up its doors for players who are seeking lucrative deals and teams are trying to figure out their cap and trying to figure out what they're going to do in regards to free agency as we're lining up for that as well. Teams can now start to target the players that they feel as though they need to tag until they can get a long-term deal in place. The question is going to be, What's going to happen in Dallas? Will Jerry Jones decide to tag Dak one more time? Can they come to an agreement on a contract? That's what everybody is wondering. That is the $100,000 question that everybody's wondering. Can Dak and his people and Jerry and Stephen Jones come to an amicable decision on a contract that fits not only the salary cap for Dallas, but also the desires for Dak Prescott. As of right now, Dallas has until March 9th to utilize the option of the franchise tag. They're hoping that they won't have to do it because with the franchise tag, not only is it $37.7 million that Dak would eat up on the salary towards a salary cap, but then that leaves Dallas in a position where they can't go out and mingle in free agency to try to bring in any players because of that substantial hit that they take off the top from the salary cap by signing Dak. Now, they have until to negotiate, if they have to tag him, the tag they have until March 9th to tag him, and then they can negotiate from that point forward up until July 15th But again, we just told you what happens is when a a team decides to tag a player and they cannot come to a resolution by March the 9th, then that money will count against the cap in regards to trying to go sign free agents, in regards to them trying to sign their draft picks when the draft comes around on April 29th. So that's why it behooves any organization that is trying to lock up that player that they want, that either they come to some type of decision before March the 9th or not too long after that, definitely prior to the draft, they're able to come to some type of resolution because if not, that money counts substantially against their cap. And so you have teams like Tampa Bay who doesn't have a lot of money, but they have quality players that are going to be looking to get paid Those players are wide receiver Chris Godwin, um, their sack leader, um, and um, Pro Bowl defensive end 
Shaq Barrett. You know, if you had to flip a coin and ask who you think that they would franchise, they franchised Shaq Barrett last year. I'm not sure exactly how much money they have underneath the cap. But to me, you can replace a receiver. I mean, they're probably going to bring Antonio Brown back on a small deal. So that helps them in regards to if they lose Godwin to someone in free agency, that helps lighten the burden there. They also have Scotty Miller um, that they um, drafted a year or so ago from Vanderbilt. And then they have the young rookie that played well in spots when he played from Minnesota. So they, they're fine at the wide receiver, and they still have Mike Evans. So they're fine at the wide receiver spot. They're fine at the tight end spot. Gronk will probably come back for minimum uh, one more time around with Tom. And they will get O.J. Howard back from injury. And they probably will let Cameron Brait go. I don't think that they're going to lock Cameron Brait up. I think they'll let him go and test the free agent market and then maybe bring him back if he can't sign with anybody. But there are teams that are looking for tight ends. So I don't think that he will have a problem if he leaves Tampa to find another job. You have Zach Ertz in Philadelphia that will be looking for a new team. I'm sure that Philly's going to move off of him. They've already started making cuts. So they're going to probably move off of Zach Ertz. He's not going to get another contract. You have teams that are uh, just trying to figure out what their cap space is going to look like. So it's going to start getting interesting here now that the tag is in place, that you can start tagging your, your, your players that you feel like that you want to sign long term. That option will be available to you. But teams are going to have to decide, especially if you have multiple players, who you deem as the most important on your team to tag. Because... I just this is what I believe. I just believe if you let a pass rusher like Shaq Barrett get to free agency, he is not coming back. So you have got to tag him. And if if tagging him means you tag him, even if you can't work out a long term deal, you have him for another year. Or if you feel like that you tag him and you all can't come to a resolution, then if you tag him, then you can at that particular point try to trade him. At least you won't let him walk away and you don't get a return on your investment that you made in him. But, you know, you're going to have players out there. We know J.J. Watt's going to be out there. It's going to be interesting to see where he ends up at, um, depending upon what happens with Vaughn Miller in Denver. You know, he has a he has pending uh, court date for, um, I don't know if it was domestic violence or something else, but there is something that's going on with him personally right now. So we have to see how that, unfold, how that unfolds. So you have those things going on. You have somebody like the Chargers who have to figure out what they're going to do about their tight end, Hunter Henry. He said that he wants to go play with a upper echelon quarterback. Well, I think he has a, a young up and rising quarterback in with the Chargers, but it's just a matter of the Chargers want to pay the money to resign him. So you have a lot of deals that are going to be made, a lot of people that are going to be looking to get paid And with the salary cap being minimized because of the pandemic, that's going to all play into the hands of how much these owners can spend in free agency and on their own players as well. So we have that to look forward to um, in the NFL. So we just wanted to uh, mention those things. We also just want to again emphasize that we are – praying for um, Tiger Woods. We're also um, glad that the weather has turned in a positive direction in places like Texas and um, Kentucky, where they got hit really hard with ice and snow. And so those people are still thawing out from um, all the ice and snow that, that that they incurred from the winter storm. And we're just hoping that power is now being returned to everybody and water as well. A lot of people were without water access as well as electricity. So we're just praying for those individuals and families that they now have running water and they have their power back. It's nothing like dealing with all the things that have been going on in this world. And then you find your your life upside down because of the fact that Mother Nature um, breezes through and shuts down things on that end. 
you know, we're still trying to work through this pandemic, still trying to work on trying to get uh, people vaccinated. And so, you know, it's a lot of things that's going on um, right now that we have to be concerned about. And, you know, is this a good that we have sports to be able to take our minds off of some of these things? I also wanted to just say that we're still in February, still recognizing Black History Month. So um, we're going to do a little feature in our next episode. Didn't didn't have time for this one. But, you know, we're always talking about our black heroes and it's always we're always referring to men. But I think that we need to emphasize the importance of the black heroism of our women as well. Um, And there's so many women who've made such major contributions to um, the black culture. Um, And so we are going to touch on that in our next episode. But I just wanted to. Let it be known that, you know, Black History Month is important, not just for blacks to understand the history and the um, legacies that were left, but also for those who are not black to understand the plight and understand what black people had to go through in order to get to where they were at that time in their lives and what we're still having to endure and go through in order to achieve the things that we have achieved so it's not just black history month for blacks it's black history month for everybody because of the importance of history making sure that it recognizes what black people did in history of america so with that we just want to say thank you again for tuning in remember you can always check us out on our social media platforms spotify apple google um Breaker Podcast. And as we always say before we depart, it's always same bat time, same bat channel. Real quick, I just want to say this about college basketball. If you, I've said this before, if you have not had an opportunity to check out Kay Cunningham for Oklahoma State, I'm hoping Oklahoma, I'm hoping Oklahoma State gets a bid to the tournament. I know they were going back and forth with some legality issues. I hope they get a bid because you're only going to see Kay Cunningham once in college this year. And then he's going on to the NBA, to greener pastures, to the NBA. So, um, but you need to see this young man play. He is definitely going to be worth the price of admission at the next level. So with that, again, we say thank you for tuning in here to Uptempo Sports 24-7. Everybody take care. We'll talk to you soon. Peace.